Let's start with my story. When I was a boy, I was entrepreneurial, mowing lawns and doing business and on my own all the way through my teen years. At, at age 15, I had a, the verse of scripture that I felt the Lord gave me was John 10, verse 10, which is basically the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said, I can't eat, but you can have life to the full. Right. And that always resonated with me because he wasn't talking about eternity. He was talking about now on earth. So I'm like, how do I do that? Well, this entrepreneurial spirit, I thought I would go in business. I had my college plan laid out to be in finance and that's what I wanted to do. Even at 15, when God gave me that verse, I thought, well, this is the mission for my life, right? It, it, but then all that changed when I made the decision uh, a year or so later to go to Bible school. So I went to Bible college, we met, and then between our freshman and sophomore year in college, we got married and started in a ministry, right? I mean, I was already speaking, preaching a little bit, trying to figure all this out. So our whole life has just been about trying to help people live a better life, to understand, to get their thinking right, to right. look look at the uh, glass half full, so to speak. You know, that's my, that's, that's who I am. And so just trying to help people to realize that life is tough, but God is with us and you can live life to the full. I always thought that I would be a missionary. And I remember my dad and I running uh, what we called back then a bus route. And that's where we picked up children um, at, to bring them to church. And um, I remember having uh, 40 children on a bus and bringing them to church and I would get up early on Sunday mornings. I had, you know, candy taped to the ceilings of the bus, you know, anything I could do to get kids excited about coming to church. And so... These, uh, these were some of the seeds in our lives yeah. and in our past that started the heart for helping people in ministry, yeah. right? Yeah. So, Skybreak Church, right? Uh, people wonder, how did you get the name Skybreak Church, right? Well, it started way before that. When we started our church, we were Post Oak Christian Center. And that was because our property that we had about an acre that we first started with that we bought was about an, a mile from Post Oak Mall. So, okay, we'll call it Post Oak Christian Center. And for eight years or so, yeah. that was the name of our church when yeah. we started. Yeah. And then we left our denomination, felt like it was time to take... You know, start a new chapter in the history of our church and we we created the name Covenant Family Church and that name meant a lot to us it resonated with the whole idea of family and a, we're in covenant with God we're in covenant with each other and then when we were preparing this new arena to build this facility and knowing looking to the future you know that that name was a little bit misunderstood people said right. convent church or <laughs> yeah. family covenant church yeah. they, yeah. they didn't really understand what that meant yeah most people don't know churchy term covenant yeah. is a churchy term if, yeah if you're not a, an attorney or a surveyor you don't know what covenants are right <laughs> unless you're a bible scholar or a theologian or a church person so so in our time of you know about this would have been eight years ago from now we were, uh, so what does the future look like? And so we had some folks hired to help us and we were, our family, all of us were together and some of our team really talking this through as to heart, the heartbeat of our church. Right. We wanted to better communicate who we were and we didn't feel the name 
did that. We yeah. all felt that. Right. We weren't not communicating who we really are to the community when they come by and they see it. Yeah. When we communicate out, we just weren't saying the language correct. We wanted to define it even better. So we were sitting in a room and a, a gentleman that was working with us, he put the name up. He just said, because he had given us some names, I'm like, that's not it. And we didn't go in to try to change the name at no, all. No, no, we had to correct. We, we were just trying to give new language yeah, to who just we were. To clearly just to say it better. who we've always been. And this guy finally, that he, he held up the name Skybreak. On a napkin. On a piece of paper, yeah. I just said, that's it. Yeah. And the whole th theme or thought behind that is no matter what the conditions are on the ground, if you get on an airplane, no matter the conditions on the ground, if you push through and rise high enough, the sun is always shining. Yeah. There's a skybreak moment. You will get there. Right, right. And that's what we want every weekend at Skybreak to be about. People come in and through worship and perseverance and pressing into the presence of God, they rise above their circumstances right. and the light is always, the, the, sun the sun is always shining in your situation. The journey that even I've been on um, through dealing with cancer for, uh, you know, over a 25 year period um, that, you know, that I've had to do is uh so you know rise above yep. constantly rise above every persevere. report persevere above you know every report that was not good reports you know and so it it resonated with me big time skybreak was born reborn yeah yes. skybreak church yes and the life god has for you came from our statement came right out of John 10, 10, yeah. that the life God has for you is anything but ordinary. So live fully and capture the extraordinary life God has. So the, the seed to come to College Station, the seed that was in my heart started in January 1987. Janet and I were at a conference, and a church pastor's leaders conference, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I was kneeling between some pews. I could take you to the spot in the church. Uh, and. Uh, I got it from there and I told Janet, I said, we're going to College Station. And she said, I don't even know where College Station is. <laughs> so that was in January of 87. By April of that year, a few months later, we had packed all of our things and we're rolling into town, moving in. Uh, everything we owned was in a cattle trailer Big and a pickup truck. Move. And we, Jared, our oldest son, was three years old. We rolled in and he was our only son. Yes. We come into town and we started May the 3rd, 1987, when we had our first church service at a rented building on a Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock. Yep. Uh, Second Baptist Church on Eisenhower, and the uh, church is still there. We were there for a while, for months, I guess, and then we moved to the Brazos Center, started having mm -hmm. church there. Yeah. Uh, it was really a more contemporary vibe. It was a, yeah. it was a lot better. Um, and then from there, we built our first building, our chapel. It took us a little bit. I remember going to the bank, and the banker giving me the trust to say, I'm gonna believe in you. He was a young banker and I was a young pastor and he loaned me $57,000 wow. to build our first building on a signature, basically. I guaranteed the loan and that's how we started. We built our chapel uh, on our property right out here on Highway 30 Harvey Road. Where Chili's now sits on Texas Avenue, there, there was the savings and loan build, portable building and I'd noticed it there. And then I noticed it vacant and we were growing and we needed children's space we needed more buildings and i'm like well it dawned on me kind of like well i wonder what they're going to do with that building you know again that entrepreneurial heart in me i see i'm seeing that stuff so i'm i'd left one morning from home we lived in north Bryan, and i'm driving down highway six 
and I'm approaching University Drive and boy, something came over me. It was the Holy Spirit looking back and he's yeah. like, get off right now, exit, go past that building, go to that building. And I'm going to an appointment. And I'm like, okay. And I got off, drove, and when I drove up to the building, there was a moving company had already started lifting the building. They were getting ready to relocate it, to move it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, God, what did you have me do this for? Yeah. And he said, because that's your building. And I'm sitting in my truck. It started raining, and I'm sitting in my truck, and they had to stop work, and they all got in their vehicles kind of sitting there. And finally, I hollered at one of the guys. I said, who's the foreman? And they said, that, that guy, that pickup right over there. So I drove my truck right over by his truck, rolled my window down, and I said, what are y'all doing in this building? He said, you know, I mean, y'all, what's, what's going on? And what's the story? He said, well, we're moving it to Somerville. They're going to put another bank up. You know, they're going to use it and make a bank building out of it. He said, why? And I said, I mean, without even thinking, I said, well, the reason is because God told me this is my building. And the man just probably looked like me, a nut job. He looked at me like, what? And I'm like, who owns the building? Yeah. He said, Bill Phillips uh, it, it, it owns the banking company. He, it was his bank. Yeah. And he owns the building. And I said, well, where's he at? And they said, well, their officers, they moved. They're right down here. I drove down right, right then. Drove down to Bill Phillips' office, walked in. I didn't know him, never met him. I'm Danny Green. Can you take an appointment? He said, yes. I said, damn, Danny Green, I'm building a church here, and I need kid space. And God told me that building was our building. I mean, I stood there just as confident. <laughs> I didn't have any money to buy it. I'm like, what are we going to do? And Bill said, well, we're moving it to Somerville. It's got to be gone by Monday. This was a Thursday. By Monday, it's got to be off the property because Chili's is coming in to break ground and start a building. God is my witness. I told you it started raining. It kept raining. Yep. And it kept raining. Yep. And they couldn't move that building. Don't tell me when the rain comes, it's a bad thing. Because yeah. it was time for me to do something that had never happened before. I got a drawing. I got a site plan put together. I went to the city of College Station, got it approved through the planning and zoning. In two weeks, got it and approved. It, rained. it, kept, it raining. kept raining. They couldn't move yeah, the building. They couldn't, nobody could do raining. anything. And I went to Bill Phillips. I said, I don't have the money to buy the building. He said, well, I'll loan you the money. I'll figure it out. I'll help you do it. And we bought the building and got it moved. And within 30 days, within less than 30 days, that portable building is still on our property today. We yeah. moved it to this property. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't go to Somerville. Right. And we got it. And it's still here today. We use it. We started, we built, made kids classrooms yeah. out of it. first phase of the annex was built in 95. So I guess that would have been 93 or so. We started in 94, that building, because we was started by cash and by faith. And, you know, the annex building, we didn't call it that then. It was just our, it was going to be our new auditorium. Yeah. And uh, an 80 by 100 white metal building, pre-engineered, and we built that. No heater. It wasn't pretty. No heat. Couldn't afford it. <laughs> That's right. I remember when we moved in the building, we rented those turbine uh, kerosene heaters. People, how do you... It smelled horrible. So we would <laughs> they were losing it. brain cells during well, church. We would warm it up. We would warm it up and then shut it off an hour before church so all the fumes could die down and then we'd have church. No wonder the worship team was feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> you came into church not so good. You left church like, man, we're all right. Spirit was moving today, man. That's all we could afford. I mean, we that was it. You do what you have to do. You yeah. don't realize what you're able to do and what you're capable that's of. That's right. It was just a shell, though. Mm, just a shell. All oh, those are, we're laughing about it now. I was stressed about it then, but we were here to build a church, and 
lead people to the John 10, 10 life. Yeah. <laughs> it's always been our passion. Yeah. You know, and I, boy, I was going through photos of, of 35 years and I see people, I saw like Micaiah Parks who was in one of those photos and Chelsea Mosley and who was behind her? It was Nancy's granddaughter, Jessica. Jessica. Jessica was behind those three girls. And Micaiah, of course, is in heaven, you know. We, we, we lost her from this wor world, but she went to heaven yeah. at eight years, eight old. years old. And I think about, though, all these families that over time, there have been so many, literally thousands of people that have walked yes. through this church. That's right. And I remind Janet, even in her journey, when she wasn't feeling so good and sick, she's like, man, I don't feel like I'm contributing anything to the church right now. And I'm like, honey, there's so many people in heaven because of your faithfulness and because we've stayed. I think that's important for us to realize the word stay. Yeah. If you're going to build something, you have to stay planted. That's right. If you're going to build a marriage, you got to stay in it. Yeah. You're going to build a career, you got to stay with it. Yeah. You're going to you're going to build anything. It takes time. You have to time. stay. And there've been opportunities more than we would like to count to not stay yeah. in College Station. Yes. But we knew God had called us here, and this was our, this was our responsibility. And here we are, 35 years in, and Skybreak is seeing some of the greatest momentum. I mean, from an humble beginning, I would use the word humble, small. Very, never, never yes, underestimate so. the power of small things. That's yeah. right. And now to see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that call Skybreak home, yeah. and to know that as a generational church, you know. Success is a great word, but success is the root word for succession. If you, there is no success if there is no future. So Janet and I are so grateful, and we talk about this all the time, that our sons have grown up, Jared and Nathan, who are now pastors on our team, and Jared leading worship so powerfully because he has a heart for this, and I'm so grateful. Uh, I don't, I mean, just the words out of his mouth on a stage coming through that microphone and his ability and desire to make it right and make it feel right and to affect people. Yes. That, that was, that's inbred in Jared. I remember the early worship days at Skybreak. I mean, you come in now and you see this beautiful stage and boy, it's action and it's, production it's powerful life-giving it all started with Janet when she used to play the piano and lead worship from the piano or the organ uh, back in those days we had a somewhat of a b3 Hammond organ she used yeah. to play do her feet on the pedals and yeah I played the drum some I'm an old yeah. frustrated drummer <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah in those beginning days Mosley's came. The, the, the Mosley's, yeah, Gary, Kathy Mosley and their children, Shanda and Chantel at the time. Chelsea wasn't born yet. And Gary played the drums and Kathy played on the piano and mom played the organ. And uh, so, you know, that's how it all started. And I led the worship at, at different parts where we, we didn't have a worship leader. So I'd lead worship, sing the songs and then preach. <laughs> you just do what you have to do. I think my, and, mom, uh, my most memorable song from mom 
is Waymaker. <laughs> she used to sing that song. He's a Waymaker. Oh, yeah. She could do it. She could. She'd get up there and do it. Well, and that's when, speaking of that song, Miss Sean Graves had come along. Yeah. And meets Janet. And it was only a few months went by and Janet began to really endear Michonne close to her. And we didn't know what was forthcoming. We didn't know cancer was in our future, but there was just some reason and that was it looking back. But Janet took Michonne aside and said, I just I want to begin to teach her and begin to talk to her. She was a pastor's daughter. She knew church and boy, when Janet got sick and cancer came and pulled her completely out of things, we were so grateful because God had planted Michonne yeah. in our midst that became a real anchor yes. for our church and yes. leading worship for years, almost 20 years. Yes. And in that process, this is where Pastor Jared came into the picture because at sixth grade, we bought Jared a saxophone and said, want you to learn music. Talk about that a yeah, little bit. She really took me uh, to musically where, where I'm at today. Um, I remember she would get frustrated with me because I like to go fast, um, and, and everything, and everything that I do. Uh, and so uh, I remember taking lessons. We'd come up here to the church and we'd take lessons, and she could always tell um, if I practiced or not. And the way the way yes. she would tell is, um, I didn't do great at reading sheet music. I could read it, but I was slow. But remember, I want to go fast, so I would ask her, "Play it for me." Hey, play it, play one time for me. Just I can get the feel, you know. Play it by ear. And at first, she didn't really catch on. She was like, "Okay, no problem." And she's classically trained pianist, can read sheet music straight off, and so she does it. And I would close my eyes, and just part of God's gifting in my life, I could memorize it by closing my eyes, and. I maybe couldn't hit every single note right, but I did enough that she thought I was reading music for most of the time. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then she discovered that I was adding notes here and there and that I was kind of putting little jazz licks in it. And she's like, you're not reading that music. <laughs> I like playing every instrument. So I would jump yep. around from yes. drums to yes. guitar to keyboard, whatever, whatever was needed. And that's when things really began to like open up and I discovered like, man, I don't just like being a part of the worship team. I like leading this. I like like being, you know, able to to exhort and lead out. And that's when, you know. Jared, I've always wanted to celebrate the passion you have for yeah. music and for it to glorify God. Mm -hmm. You love music and have always been musically inclined, but it, it comes from a core value of, to, of honor to God, yeah. right? I mean, that at the end of the day, even your attitude about how the stage feels, mm -hmm. what goes on from the stage to the pew, or you know, from the stage to the audience in this case, uh, I've always appreciated the fact that you want it to be the best. Yeah. You want it loud, you want it good, you want it clear, you want it current. We learn a lot of songs at Skybreak, and that's what's brought Skybreak culture and worship to where it is today yeah. because it started with a seed in your heart and we saw it as a when you were just a young boy in sixth yeah. grade so you know i just respect that and here we are 35 years in you were three years old when we started this church and michonne played a key role in that yeah 
and uh, she's a part of our history that will never be erased because uh, and she ended up getting married at 40 years old and we celebrated with her and now she has a son so she's married with a son as well and they are in Virginia and we miss them dearly but uh, that was a part of our history that was so significant and another part of our history that was so powerful back this is when we were back in the Brazos Center so we've been going maybe not even a year like months as a new church and a lady walked in one day and uh, you you, you as soon as she walked in she took the room and her name was Julian Abner and I'm like man this lady she was so kind so poised uh, dressed to the nine and uh, carried herself so well, so loving and kind. And who knew, fast forward to future, that she would become an integral part of our family. Yes. In fact, when Pastor Nate was born, uh, Nana Jew was here at church, and Janet, you could tell us to speak into it. Mm-hmm. So Nate's two weeks old, we bring him home to the hospital, it's her first week to go to church, and she's back then playing the organ, right? She walks in with this baby, and Nana Jew, we call her, walked over to Janet and said, Honey, you're going to need somebody to take care of that baby so you can play the piano, play the organ. And that was the beginning of a relationship that lasted many years where Nana Jew, to, to give the full picture, Nana Jew was the first person we baptized in water baptism as a church. From then on, she became grandma. She became I couldn't Nana. say Jewel Ann, so I called her Nana Jew. Yeah. Nana Jew became the name. And she eventually retired from G, uh, GTE and moved into our home. We, we built a place for her. She became family. She had yes. one son. She, was, she, didn't, she wasn't married. She had one son, and he passed away. We did, and when he passed away, I remember where I was. I was riding a tractor, mowing, earning a living for us, oh, and... Somebody drove up and said Julian's son had passed away. And I called Julian and she said, can you bring me Nathan? <laughs> I'll never forget that. She said, can you bring me Nathan? She was grieving, you know. And I, I, we got in the car and took Nathan over and she held that baby. Julian moved into our home and lived with us until she went to heaven. She was monumental. She was a mom to me and we had a lot of wonderful conversations and in fact, Nana Jew is a turning point in the in the whole culture and diversity yes. of our church. Yes. She helped she was me what and I we helped had her. prayed for for a long time because when we started our church we, we asked God for a church of diversity. Yeah, we wanted a church that looked we like heaven. We wanted a church, that's exactly right, yeah. that looked like heaven. Right. When you look at Skybreak today and you see yeah. this beautiful family that looks like heaven, yes. it started in our heart as yes. leaders back in the beginning days, and God sent us some wonderful people. Yes. The future of Skybreak is poised to be even greater. <laughs> I can't get away from what Jesus said when he looked at his disciples and he said, you're going to do far greater things than I have done. And I just speak that over the future of Skybreak and our lineage and our generational church and even our family. I mean, we have grandchildren now in media, serving in kids' worship. 
Layla and Lana and Chandler serving in, in weekly almost, you know, our own, which is a third generation for us. Yeah. And what God has put in our son's heart to want to be a part of the future. And then Pastor Nathan and Kendall and the call of pastoral leadership that rests on them to lead us and to bring vision, fresh new vision to our church. I just say, stay. What does the future have for Skybreak Church? Janet and I, when we were turning 50, this has been 12 years ago almost, I said, we've got 15 years to, to prepare the future so that we don't become irrelevant. And I pray I never become completely irrelevant. Uh, we won't let you. But, but, but age happens. You can't stop it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm so grateful for our, our young generation across Skybreak. Some of those that are here even now that have grown up here their whole life, born in this church, and now they're married and having kids. That is so significant. I wouldn't change anything. Our story is our story. Just thank God for the harvest that is yet to come. When you ask, what is the future of Skybreak? It ought to be evident. It ought to be right in front of us. This thing is moving forward. There's momentum. God is blessing. God is speaking. There are no empty gaps. There's no holes. We've come through a pandemic. Pastor Nate has led us through the toughest times in church history. And Janet and I are here. We are here till we go to heaven and lending our wisdom and years. And I just thank God that our children and our grandchildren are planted in the house of the Lord. Yeah. And if you want something long-term, stay with it, stay committed, stay looking at Jesus, keep honoring Him. It's not always easy, but neither is a marriage always easy. Right. Neither is a career, nothing's easy. Work. If it's easy, everybody would be doing it, but we stay with it. And uh, the best days are yet to come for Skybreak. What does the next 35 years hold? I don't know. That's up to you guys. That's up to you, Pastor Nate. That's up to God. We're just here to be along for the ride and to lend our support and to cheer on our children and grandchildren. And hopefully someday we'll see great-grandchildren. Who knows? Can we honor Pastors Danny and Janet for a moment? Five years is a long time. A long time. There was something that throughout the entire of the video, something that rang true the entire time, and I just wanted to take a few moments to talk about a thought. Because after being a part of this ministry my whole life, I was literally like almost born in church, like that's kind of how it was. But being a part of it my whole life, I've learned that success isn't determined by how big something gets or how much someone may have in the end of their life. True success is determined by endurance. Endurance. And anytime you ask God or decide to do and help God with building something, it's 
It's like signing a blank check. You really don't know what you're signing on for. It's like the part in marriage where you stand together after you've been prepping for a wedding and you stand before your groom or you stand before your bride and they ask you the questions, you know, are you going to be with her in sickness and in health and better or worse times and richer or poor? And you're like, I do. You're smiling. That's like saying I do to God's calling on your life when you really don't know. You're saying I do to something you've never seen. Who would have thought 35 years ago? You said I do. And look around at this room today. Because of your I do, we got, we've got to say I receive. And we've received a hope in Jesus that thousands of lives have been impacted because of your I do and your sacrifice, both of you. Twenty-five years ago this week was the week that we found out my mom was diagnosed with cancer for the very first time. We were getting ready to celebrate our 10-year anniversary. I was eight years old. Y'all see those photos? You know, see me like back in the day. That's like my oldest son all over again. Those little that little kid underneath that tree. That was me. I lived at this church all the time. But there's a few verses in Scripture that I wanted to kind of bring to our attention that I believe range true with what we're talking about today and. One of them is Psalms 1, verse 3. It says, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. They are planted. Psalms 23, 6 says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 92, 13 and 14 says, those who are planted, everybody say planted. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. Not maybe, not, not, oh, it's possible. No, they shall, they will, it will happen. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. And they shall be fresh and flourishing. If you want to build something that will flourish, if you want to build a life that will prosper, then you're going to have to do what Pastor said in that video was, stay you've got to plant yourself if you look up in the dictionary what the word planted means it means to place in the ground so that it could grow another one says to place or fix be fixed in a specific position you see this church wasn't built by a seed being planted and then when times got tough plucked it out and went somewhere else to actually be able to stand in a church today where, you, where the founding pastors are still present, still here, still leading, still serving, still giving, still pouring, still preaching is very rare. I don't know if you know that, but that is very rare. That is uncommon. It does not happen everywhere. It's not normal. I've been around church a long time and I, I know it. if you've been around church any length of time, it's not normal. But you see, seeds must be planted in order for them to grow. If you were just to hold a seed in, in your hand and, and do nothing with it, it becomes nothing more than what it is, an intention, a dream, a potential. And your life is like this. If you hold your seed, if you hold your life in your hand, you will only just be an intention, a dream, a, a potential, something that could be. But if you plant it, the Bible says it will prosper. 
If you keep it in the ground, if you stay planted in his church, it says, if you dwell in the house of the Lord, your life will prosper. It will flourish. You will bear fruit in old age. You shall be fresh and flourishing. I don't care how old you get. You're going to be fresh. You're going to be flourishing. You're going to be relevant. We won't let you not be. But you see, seeds must be placed under the ground in order for them to grow. It must be put in a specific soil. It must be in a specific environment. In order for it to become anything, it cannot grow in your hand. And when you plant a seed under the ground, there's a lot of work that gets involved. You you don't just plant a seed and put it in the ground and be like, "Woo! all right, I'm done. That was easy. No, you've got to water it. It needs constant attention. It has to be nurtured. It has to have the right sunlight. You have to take time plucking out weeds and getting rid of the things that are trying to come in. And over these last 35 years, there has been constant attention. There's been nurturing. There's been watering. There's been bringing sunlight into situations, sky break moments that have brought in people's dark places. They have been bringing sunlight in dark places. They've been plucking out weeds. They've been getting rid of the foxes that tried to spoil the vine and take away the fruit and the nutrients. It took work. You know, there's even this thing. We've all kind of experienced this. If you're any kind of gardener or landscaper in February, you do this thing called pruning. And there are seasons in life where you go through pruning, where you have to cut off branches and limbs. You have to take away some things in order for it to grow, to get to its fullest potential. You've got to be willing to walk out. And there was some faith moments, even eight years in, where you stepped out in faith, not knowing where this was going to take you. Pruning is painful. Pruning makes you wonder, why am I doing this? How is this going to make it after this? Like, this thing looks really bad. We did it around the church, all of our landscaping. We were pruning everything. I walked out, I was like, this looks horrible. Everything looks dead. But you see, pruning is crucial for a tree to prosper, for its growth to have proper flourishing. And as I was thinking about this process and I was thinking about this word and we're talking about seeds we're talking about being planted we're talking about having a life that will flourish I begin to think about you and I because if you're going to build your life on a firm foundation you're going to have to be able to to have a life that you give to God and you plant yourself in moments when you don't know the future if you're going to build a life that is successful then you're going to have to stay planted a couple weeks ago, there's been many families that have been a part of our church for many lengths of time all across. And there was one family, they were, they were my kids' ministry directors and, and leaders and teachers. Um, and that was Wayne and Betty Young, one of them. God bless them. <laughs> Y'all see that little kid on that screen? I was smiling, but that was a mischievous smile. And that, trust me, they know. Every Wednesday night service, I got kicked out of kids' church, y'all. I'm telling y'all, there is hope for your child. I'm telling you, there is hope. <laughs> I got brought to the front row. And my dad would be preaching, and he'd look down and be like, oh, you just wait till we get home, son. But I was talking to what we used to call Brother Wayne and Sister Betty. Wayne and Betty Young been a part of our church for a long time. 
And he said something to me a couple weeks ago, and it, I think it's really amazing how the words stay, the word planted. He said this, he said, I tell people that have been in our church, if you stay long enough, you'll see the harvest. And so many leave before they see the harvest. And as I was thinking about that thought, begin to think about how in order to grow, in order to become anything worth a value that is building something for God, you must go deeper before you can go higher. A roots of a seed must go deeper before it can go taller. And what looks like a seed to you looks like a tree to God. It's like an apple tree, right? An apple falls from the tree and that's great and it has one seed. But in that seed, what we see is a seed, but there are many orchards full of trees that we will never know. You planted a seed, but you planted an orchard. And you didn't know. And you see, it's a daily choice to stay planted. A daily choice. You don't remove the seed from the soil and replant it. It will not flourish that way. You cannot take plants and continue to uproot them and move them to other gardens and other landscape places. It doesn't work that way. You cannot take a tree out and continually move it. Some people try to do this. They try to move from pot to pot in their life. They'll move from church to church. Yeah. And they try to flourish, but you can't flourish. You will wither when you try to replant and replant and replant. You have to stay planted. Otherwise, you will die. I'm not talking about physically die, but you you will not be able to do what this scripture said. When you're planted, it says that you will bear fruit in each season. That you will, your, your leaves will not wither. That they will prosper in all that they That even when you're going through hell, guess what? You will prosper. You will bear fruit. Have you ever seen someone's life and they're going through hell, but they're still bearing fruit? And you're like, how in the world? It's because they've stayed planted. They stayed planted. They made a choice to stay, to dig deep. There's been many families who have chosen to dig deep into this church and dig deep into God's house and say, come hell or hot water, I'm not going anywhere. There's even been people who put in their marriage vows, Wayne and Betty, that said that they were going to stay planted and help build what God called us to build in their wedding vow. So let me just say this. We must understand that church isn't just an additive to our life, that we only use it when we, when we need it or when we can fit it in. It's the only way to live our life. It's the only way. And I'm going to say this too. Don't settle for a bush when God called you to be a tree. Don't settle for a bush when God called you to be a tree. You see, you don't build a house out of a bush. You build it out of trees. And Pastor Danny and Janet knew that when the calling was on, that was on the inside of them, they knew calling to to reach people, the calling to help bring hope to people, the calling to bring out the John 10, 10, the life to the full, the extraordinary life. They knew that it couldn't just stay in them and be a bush, that it was bigger than just them. They decided to not settle for just a bush when God called them to be a tree. 
You don't build a house out of a bush, you build it out of trees. And you have to understand that your life has to be built on a firm foundation in order for it to flourish. And that foundation has to be found in Jesus. And I'm thankful that we, I get to stand on a stage that I did not build. That I get to stand on shoulders. That are strong. And I get to speak from a place that, that's not... just a son because I am I'm physically a son but I get to speak from a place as you're also my pastor living a life with your pastor every day is fun some of you are like well when he preaches he's all up in my business imagine waking up and him being all up in your business is what it is today because of these two people and our lives in this room are what they are today because of these two people staying strong standing firm winds came storms blew but their foundation was set on Jesus and the whole reason why we put on an experience like this is it's not just to come and sound good and, and to have a little fun although I believe church should be life-giving I believe church should not be dead that we serve a risen Savior. We serve a Savior who came and, and we just celebrated Easter where he died on a cross, but he rose from the grave. He is alive and well. And, but the seed that was planted, you, we said it and wasn't put in the video, but we talked about how when you talked about we were post-Oak Christian Center, you, you said it, we believe that going from an acorn to a tree. That name would be really cool today, just so you know. But your life... Some of you may feel like right now it's just an acorn. But I want to encourage you today. Maybe you've never placed it in the ground and put it in the hands of God and allowed him to help you be what he's called you to be and give you the free gift that's called salvation. The seed they planted to help reach people, you're going to be able to have an opportunity today to accept Jesus for those that don't know him every eye closed in this room today, every head bowed. You may feel like your life is an acorn today. Maybe you've come in here, you've been, you feel broken. Maybe your life's not where you want it to be. Today, yes, we're celebrating. It's a day of celebration of what God has done. This, we've seen thousands of people come to know Jesus that turned their life to Christ, that's been water baptized, that has received hope in their marriage. They've seen lost children come home. They've seen miracles take place in their life. And let me tell you, you can have it too. The only way that that can happen is by placing your hands in the Father and, and, and accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. Jesus came and died and rose again for you and I. And all of us that are in this room today that are believers are, are a testimony. Oh, where would we be without Jesus? So I want to give you an opportunity this morning on a day of celebration. What better day than on a landmark day, a milestone day to say, you know what? I have placed my life in the hands of Jesus. I took what I thought was just a seed and I put it in good soil. And I want you to watch what happens over your life over the next 35 years and watch what God does. So if you're here today or you're watching from the other side of a screen and you don't know Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity today 
to accept him as Lord and Savior of your life. He wants to give you a life that you've, that you've never dreamed of. He wants to make all things new in your life. That's what scripture says. And the Bible says in John 3.16, the one, one of the most famous quoted scriptures of all time, that, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that you can have eternal life. That if you would just believe in him, you would not perish. The Bible also says in Romans 10.9 that for those of you, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God rose, God raised Christ from the dead, it says you will be saved. So I want to give you that opportunity this morning on our 35th anniversary to do what the seeds that were planted over 35 years ago that today can happen in your life. With every eye closed, every head bowed, no one moving around just for a few moments. If that's you today, you want to know Jesus. I want to count down from three and I just want you to slip up your hand today. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I just want to know who I'm praying with. I want to celebrate with you. We want to celebrate with you. If that's you today, from the countdown from three, I want you just to slip up your hand and look right at me in the eye. Three, two, one. If that's you, just lift them up. Lift them up. I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus. Lift them up. Lift them up. Lift them up. Thank you, Jesus. I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He wants to give you a new life. He wants to give you a new beginning. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He can take your life that's an acorn and turn it into a tree. I want all of us to pray this prayer together. Out loud where our ears can hear it. Believer or about to become a believer. Say this. Say, dear Jesus, welcome to my world. Thank you for coming into my life. And God, I ask that today that you would forgive me of all of my sin and help me to live a new life in you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. I place my life in your hands. Do with it what you will. I put my faith in you, my trust in you, and my hope in you. And today I receive the free gift of salvation and grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Everyone said a big amen.